0: Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning more about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created but lived as well. So join myself Tyler Claussen and my co-host Hannah Ray Lambert as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. Welcome back, listeners.
1: Oh, no. This NPR.
0: No, I was just being a chill, <laughs> cool guy. What? No. Right away, you make fun of me.
1: Well, right away, you started using the <laughs> NPR voice.
0: Welcome back, listeners. This is Tyler Claussen. No. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. This is Tyler Claussen. I'm with Hannah Ray Lambert. I realized while we just listened to that intro that when I say your name... It sounds like I forgot it for a second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just, you hesitate. You're like, yeah. is it Hannah? Is it Hannah Ray? I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know if she wants me to use her <laughs> full name or not. You know what? I'm doing it. If, if she doesn't want it, I'll cut it out later. Hannah <laughs> or L- er.
1: Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you know, I've always uh, bemoaned my boring name, and that'll just really spice it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I forgot it in the month and a half that we stopped talking to each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, it kind of i didn't realize that it had actually been that long since we last recorded something together
0: i'm glad that your time away from me felt sweet and <laughs> and uh really nice that you don't even count you know the time
1: distance makes the heart grow You're just like whatever <laughs> no it doesn't count as time away when i still like text you all the time so <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like it hadn't been that long that yeah. we actually sat across from each other at a table and talked about nerd shit. Yeah,
0: because basically every episode in March, you were not around in March at all. No. Nah. So we we had episodes with my wife and Megan Waterman, and then we had the episode with um, Best Friends Playbook.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So you were just.
1: I've just been gone, and so from from what I've listened to of the Jane Austen episodes. They sound great. But as soon as I saw Megan after I got back, she was like, Hannah, you can't leave again. I, I can't. I get so nervous. And I'm like, Megan, you always do a great job.
0: I chose the two most introverted women I know in my entire life. And I forced them to talk to me with a microphone in their face. It was great. Megan, if you're listening to this, it was so much fun. Megan's I always
1: it. great. And she's always game for stuff like that. Like every yeah. time I ask her to do something, she's always like, I don't want to. But yeah, I'll do it.
0: The first time I ever recorded Megan, it was for my other show, It Can Be Now, and it was just like a five minute, um, like a five minute little segment about what book recommendations the Book Nook has. Yeah. And and we ended up spending more time talking just in general, like because we're friends and we just like to chat about stuff. And then I just ended up pressing record without her realizing. And le- that's what you got to do, yeah. And she's like having fun talking and stuff, and that's what I ended up using. And sh- and she's like, Okay, are we gonna start recording? I was like, Megan, we already did, <laughs> like, we already got it.
1: <laughs> See, that is the mark of a good producer, you know how to get the golden sound bites out of people.
0: I, for uh, full disclosure, I didn't actually trick her that much. I mostly was like, Hey, listen, we're gonna start talking. And then at some point I will press the record button. Yeah. So I gave her a heads up.
1: And it's not like she didn't, like you told her I was afterwards. there to record yeah. her,
0: so. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to sound like a douchebag. No.
1: <laughs> it's fu- I think it's ethical. <laughs> you did Everyone okay.
0: from now on needs to realize that when they talk to me, I will be recording yeah. every single conversation.
1: Yeah. It's like when yeah. you talk to a reporter, you should know that unless you say <laughs> otherwise, it's on it's the on record. It's on the record.
0: <laughs> Do I need to start saying that with you? No, it's fine. You're an exception.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Takes notes furiously. (laughs) But no, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episodes with Megan and Rebecca and Best Friends Playbook. But now uh, you guys are stuck with me again. (laughs) No, it's great. I'm so
0: happy that somebody's here to do some real work (laughs) and to get me to shut up because I just talk and talk and talk.
1: Yeah, I think Megan's probably not that good at telling you to shut up. (laughs)
0: What happens... When, when Hannah leaves, oh, our one episode turns into a two-part episode because we all just keep talking. Yep. It was legitimately like a two-and-a-half-hour recording session. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tyler texted me. I was in New Zealand, and he's like, yeah, I think the Jane Austen episode is actually going to be a two-parter. And I'm like, I was like <laughs> oh, my God. There was no outline, was there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, was there an outline? Did I uh, – I didn't Megan see one in one. the Google Drive. Megan had printed one out. I – listen to an audiobook and i absorb it like a sponge really that's what i realized that this podcast has taught me a lot about myself to be honest um i don't like reading i like listening to books um and i absorb it like a sponge and i can hold on to it a little for a little bit but then once i squeeze it out for our show <laughs> It's, I'm dry <laughs> it's as a gone. bone. I don't remember anything.
1: <laughs> that was a really kind of gross metaphor, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs>
0: Fill me up with your knowledge and squeeze me out.
1: Like a sponge. <laughs> like a sponge. <laughs> Just really give him a good twist.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your trip real quick, though. Yeah. We, we have some catching up to do. We've got an author. We're going to talk about her. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> let's talk about... You went to Mordor.
1: I went to Mordor, guys. It was so fun. So uh, I chose the best time ever to go on vacation. I left left on March 5th to go to New Zealand, which is a, it was like 24 hours of flying. Yeah. Um, and when I left, everybody at work was freaking out over this thing called coronavirus, and I was like, eh, "I'm kind of glad I'm leaving. It'll all be over by the time I come back." <laughs> I'm gonna go out. I the literally world. said that. I was like, "I'm gonna. I don't like reporting on on stuff that like is all consuming." Sure. And that's what coronavirus was shaping up to be. So I was yeah. like, "Okay, I'm gonna peace out for <laughs> three weeks, and it'll all be done by the time I come back." so i got to new zealand and new zealand was amazing like i got to go to a lot not all obviously because there's a million locations in lord of the rings but i got to go to a (laughs) lot of them A
0: million there's a million
1: beautiful country super nice people that part was amazing about 10 days in the little coronavirus thing (laughs) (laughs) this little
0: coronavirus turned
1: out to be a little more serious because my mom and i were in new zealand having a good time my dad had gone to sydney australia and my sister and my grandma and us, we were all going to meet in uh, Australia's Gold Coast. Right. And about 10, maybe 12 days into our trip, Australia is like, nope, everyone coming into the country has to uh, self-quarantine for two weeks. Right. So my mom and I, we were like, well, we can't do that because we can't stay in the country for, for two, two weeks. weeks. yeah. So we had to, like, frantically rebook our flights, which was a nightmare. Cause oh, I bet. neither of us had a computer. Because everybody else
0: is also trying to rebook. Yeah. And-
1: she, and she booked our flights through her credit card reward system. Right. She called them and they were like, oh, yeah, it might be a two to four hour uh, hold mm-hmm. because we have 6,000 so, people yeah. in line ahead of you. And we were like, we don't have international calling. We cannot be on hold <laughs> for, for four <laughs> hours. And it's a good thing we gave up and just booked new flights because she called again when we got home yeah. um, to try to, like, cancel the flights. She was on hold for more than nine hours, and then it, like, hung up on her. Oh <gasps> No. Yeah. She left the, like, phone on speakerphone all day, and at, like, nine hours or something, it timed out and hung up, and I thought she was going to explode. Yeah, that's
0: insane.
1: Yeah. It was awful. But the trip itself was really good, and yeah. uh, I was very disappointed to see that the coronavirus thing had not blown over when I got home.
0: Yeah. Yeah i was i was a little i when you came back i asked you if you were able to meet up with one of our listeners uh, Oh yeah M- melissa uh, wonder uh, wonder with Alyssa. yeah yeah sorry so I she was super nice Melissa. <laughs> literally not even in the name at all
1: no no um if you don't follow her you totally should yeah um but she was so nice she like reached out to me before i left and gave me tips on where to go and stuff and she lives in auckland we were only in auckland for like literally to fly in and get our rental car and then drive out of the city because we're not really city people. But now, (laughs) since Alyssa was so nice, I really want to go back to Auckland someday and hang out with her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to New Zealand just to go to New Zealand, let alone... Here's here's my... I'm going to be totally transparent, Alyssa. (laughs) We need a fan base in New Zealand. We need a street team there. Because (laughs) if we can justify flying all the way to New Zealand to do a show, then then i can go to new zealand
1: <laughs> we can go hang out with you and you know write it off as an expense yeah
0: so you know
1: so Alyssa, get out there uh start pushing our, our mixtape you are the, now the new prophet zealand.
0: of between lewis and lovecraft spread the word
1: perfect yeah i love that we have profit
0: <laughs> that's gonna be one of our patreon like Level. levels is you are now a prophet, a of, prophet. <laughs> that's great i love it you're a herald of yeah
1: oh which All one's right. higher a herald or a prophet
0: Harold, oh, Oh, this is
1: Ty Ty the Bible Guy talk.
0: Yeah, that's well, the oh man, I'm gonna have to stew it. We'll come back to that, we'll we'll do a full circle,
1: but yeah, so that was my trip.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, it's great that you were able to get out and enjoy some time (laughs) during this crisis. (laughs) It
1: was nice, and honestly, we got to do everything we wanted to do in New Zealand, and we were only going to Australia to hang out with family and lay on a beach, so it's not you know, which you can do here at the
0: Oregon coast basically in the exact same fashion.
1: Except that you're not supposed to do that right now. Nobody go to the coast and tell the police facetious it was <laughs> us.
0: Also, because it's cold and windy, and you don't touch the water here.
1: Don't touch the water. <laughs> you you'll look die. at it
0: and go, "Oh, look, is that Pretty. a whale? No, nope, it's just a, another wave. Cool." <laughs>
1: <laughs> at least nothing's like waiting in the Oregon ocean to, to kill eat you. you. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know what? I I'm gonna be real honest with you. Becca and I are—we are terrified of going (laughs) to Australia. She has legitimately told me she will never set foot there.
1: I mean, just go to Hawaii for a nice beach, or just New Zealand
0: and be like, "We're good here."
1: New Zealand does have some nice beaches. It was just a little bit colder because it's fall there,
0: which I love. Yeah, I love New Zealand. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, cool. I just stayed here, worked podcast, you know, did my thing, Um, and then literally like the day after you came back, I. Like just kind of threw all of my plans for our show at you.
1: It was perfect. Yeah. I was like, Oh God, I'm all jet lagged, and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yep, Tyler, that sounds great. No, yeah, that's
0: great. We'll talk yep. about comic books in July. That's a great idea.
1: <laughs> no, I I am super excited about all the the plans that we came up for for future episodes. Yeah, it's exciting. but to get there, Tyler, we have to get through this episode first. All right,
0: fine. <laughs> we'll stop talking about ourselves and talk about Mary Carr.
1: Mary Carr.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so this episode is going to be a little bit different because we're talking a little bit about Mary Carr, but we're more talking about her, her passion and her the kind of work that she is famous for, which is memoirs.
0: Right. Yeah. So we're, we're jumping into, we're really jumping into a lot of different things all at once. We're jumping into her as an author. Mm-hmm. We're jumping into her and her work. Right. And then we're also jumping into an entire genre. Yeah. So this is something that we've never done before because we didn't talk about C.S. Lewis and go, oh, look, his books. Oh, C.S. Lewis. And let's talk about all of fantasy. No, like, it's a pretty big deal.
1: I think it works more in this case, though, because we're not like a memoir show. No. We're not going to do episodes on a ton of individual memoirists.
0: Not. Not necessarily. I think there are certain people that I want to talk about and the fact that they've written memoirs is the only justification that we can have for talking about them
1: in this episode. You mean, no,
0: in general, like Uh, if I ever came like, so like Felicia Day, I want to talk about Felicia Day someday because she is 100 percent one of my favorite people and she wrote a memoir. She also wrote another book recently, which just came out. Um she's also a podcaster and a writer of of screenplays and an actress so i'm like she's worth talking about and if the (laughs) only way i can get her on is to be like she wrote a book she wrote a memoir then like that works (laughs) same with like rain wilson wrote a memoir um amy poehler tina fey like all these people they didn't write books that are like oh let's talk about the book itself it's more like let's talk about their life and so that's that's the only thing and I think the reason why I do like memoirs because we are a show that jumps into the life of people more than just their work, more than like debating if Batman can kill Superman or something like that. Like we're talking about real life situations um, that happened to people and it influenced the work that they created. So um, that's why I like I like the idea of jumping into some memoirs, and that's why I had the idea for doing this episode. Nice. All that to say, I only read half the book.
1: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't expect any more from you, Tyler.
0: But I I have been reading for the next episode. Yeah. Like, a lot. So, That's good. You know.
1: Well, uh, luckily, yeah. I did read the book, and I went above and beyond and listened to one of her memoirs. Because, guys, Mary Carr wrote not one, not two, but three memoirs. <laughs> she was just like uh, the... LeBron James of I'm trying to make a sports (laughs) metaphor (laughs) She's the
0: the LeBron James of
1: memoirs
0: (laughs) That has to be a clip for our show.
1: Oh god please don't (laughs) Everybody who knows me knows I don't know sports so it's I hope I got LeBron James's name right. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> She's anyway. like the
0: three scented candle of. of yes. Ooh, that huh? is such
1: a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. I'm good at metaphors. That's way better than the sponge. one. Even though a
0: met- that's not a metaphor. It's a simile. So, but whatever.
1: She, yeah. Because he said like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So Mary Carr. Well, we'll start. This is going to be kind of a short biographical thing, obviously. Um, she was born January 16th, 1955 in Groves, Texas. And she had what I think is like the perfect childhood to set you up for being a memoirist later on. Her father was a heavy drinker. He worked at an oil refinery. Uh, she loved him, but they had a kind of distant relationship. Yeah. It wasn't always there for her. Her mother was like the defining figure in her life. She was mentally unstable and an alcoholic. Mm. She had times when she was functional. Um so, like, she held down a job as a reporter-slash-columnist for the local paper once, but there were other times when she literally stood over her children with a butcher knife and, like, was going to kill them.
0: I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, I'm listening now. Yeah. Butcher knife standing butcher over knife. children.
1: <laughs> she shot at all of her husbands, as far as her, her with daughter With a gun? Did. With a gun. Like, shot at them. Luckily, never hit them. So, what? I don't know if that means she has bad aim or, like, the intent wasn't really there, but, yeah, she- it's a she shot, shot at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So, I mean, this is like the stuff that memoirs were made <laughs> to encapsulate. I could sure. never write a memoir because my childhood was boring and my mom never shot at anybody. Yeah.
0: I, I tried I to of. write some stuff from when I was a kid for our Can Be Now show to, like, beef it up with personal stories. I made it like three stories in and went... <laughs> God, nobody wants to read this. It's so boring.
1: <laughs> right? You need more you need more tragedy, you need yeah. more, I don't know, crazy parents. <laughs> I mean, she, yeah. Her parents make other parents look good even if they have their flaws. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she has this really tumultuous childhood. Um, oh, and and her mother's alcoholism, she also um has stories of when she would get drunk with her mom when she was a teenager. What? Yeah. So uh, setting her up for some challenges in her adult life, too. Yeah,
0: because you're ruining the brain. Come right?
1: <laughs> she, uh, So she kind of, like, ping-ponged around a little bit. She moved to Los Angeles um, when she was 17, but only stayed for a little while. Because um, the same year, she started at McAllister College, which I'd never heard of. Uh, I think it's kind of a small private college in mm-hmm. St. Paul, Minnesota. She dropped out after only two years, though, um going through like personal troubles and stuff and she eventually graduated from goddard college which was another one i'd never heard of um and her her career was kind of slow to get starting she always wanted to be a poet um obviously it's kind of hard to to be a poet i think is it i I don't
0: i've never applied myself (laughs) to care enough is it hard to be a poet
1: i because i mean think of how many like famous poets there are now or like how many poetry books you see that are
0: alive
1: yeah that are alive because
0: i was gonna say there are lots of famous poets
1: but they're they've all been dead for like 200 years. well
0: poe yeah 200 years (laughs) it's pretty close no that's 150
1: years a lot of them are lovecraft it's less appreciated now than it used to be
0: shell silverstein oh dr seuss
1: He's Dead, oh, right,
0: <laughs> Shell Silverstein's also dead, but <laughs> also Dr. Seuss
1: dead. like wrote children's books, so
0: <clears throat> we're gonna talk about Dr. Seuss someday,
1: we're gonna do a Dr. Seuss <laughs> episode, but anyway, so she she had kind of one of those uh ascents to her career that you know is kind of the typical artist one, you don't always make it right away. Mm. Uh, finally in 1989, so she would have been like 34 then uh she won the whiting award for poetry which that was is quick actually math. that was really good <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah uh she won a pretty prestigious award for her poetry um so that was pretty good but one of the defining um things of her life was her marriage to another poet actually um she she changed his name and the memoir that i listened to but i found it online um his name is michael milburn <laughs> oh <laughs> sorry for outing you no it's not a secret or anything um <laughs> who yeah. is this
0: person no. really
1: i was like who is warren because i think yeah. that was his name in her her third memoir um she was married to him and they got married like fairly young they were married for 13 years and they had very different backgrounds he was like from this upper class waspy family that was all Uh, very like prim and proper yeah but he didn't like he didn't act rich Mm. I think um he had trouble like taking money from his parents and like his dad would give him a hard time if he ever did so he had like Uh, weird attitudes about money and that was one of the things in their relationship one of many things that was a strain in their relationship was, like, he... They had completely separate bank accounts. He would, like, mm-hmm. get really mad if she asked to borrow money from him.
0: He was very individualistic with his yes, money. Yes. like, to like the point where he way
1: too all. far. It's yeah. like, if you can't even, like, loan your wife, your wife 20 bucks, like, what is going on with you?
0: I... Yeah, I've got personal dealings where I've had to deal with that, where I know of couples where the the man essentially says, all right, I'm loaning you this money. You, and, like, it's your husband. He's not loaning you his money. This is your money. That's how a contract works, especially a marriage <laughs> contract. You guys decided to share everything. <laughs> like, like that's, I'm just saying, yeah. that's one of the things you got to share. I yeah. don't
1: know. I'm, Man. I'm not a relationship expert. I've never been married, but I like, am. Yeah, <laughs> Tyler's <laughs> Tyler's an expert, and he says you better no. But it just seems like if you're not even willing to like share your money with your spouse, yeah. maybe you shouldn't get married.
0: I know that there are people that think it is important to to have some diversity in 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 your finances and stuff, and I get that. But there's a difference between wanting diversity. And straight up going, look, this is my money and, you know, we're, we're married, but it's my money. And I just, I don't agree with that.
1: I think that attitude is just going to drive you crazy because like, how do you... How do you put a dollar amount on all the different things that somebody brings to a relationship? It's like if one yeah. if one partner works and the other one takes care of the house. Like, are you really going to say that, like, because you're the one who actually gets a paycheck, you're the one who deserves all the money? Yeah. Whereas, like, your wife or your husband is home all day cleaning the house, cooking your meals. Like,
0: like I like Beck and I do it as a joke. Because I make more money than she does. I, I work way more than she does. And that's fine. Like, that's where that's where our relationship is. And I, th- I think that's great because we're setting up for other stuff. And so, I, but I tease her, like, <clears throat> I'll go, we'll go out to dinner. She'll be like, oh, man, I'm so glad that we have the money for this. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm paying for dinner <laughs> tonight. <laughs> or she'll she'll take, she'll, we'll go out to breakfast or go to uh, see a movie. She's like, don't worry, babe i'll pay for the movie <laughs> you know like because she has some money sort of print coming in so it, it's funny to us that people have that idea but i don't know like this is what you said the the late 80s
1: yeah yeah people I, are weird back people <laughs> people are still weird as someone yeah. who
0: was born towards the end of the last year of that century or that decade I can attest.
1: <laughs> you you have a <laughs> you saw a lot of that in your like 6 months in the 80s. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I got an idea of what it's like.
1: Well, um that wasn't their only relationship problem, and a lot of it is Mary Carr's fault too. Oh, really? she was I mean, she had all of her own problems and yeah. I mean, one of the things that probably led to their marriage falling apart was that she fell back into alcoholism mm. uh even after their son was alive she had a lot of a lot of trouble with drinking yeah. a lot of problems with like controlling her anger um and just getting upset all the time i wonder where she got that from yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um at one point she like <clears throat> was borderline suicidal like she almost attempted suicide but then she drove herself to like a halfway house that she'd been in before and was like hey i need help yeah and they checked her into a a a mental institution basically which sounded like a hellhole to be in oh really additionally because she's like as soon as she went in there she could like smell urine like not the kind that is fresh but like it is seeped into the walls and stuff of this place and i'm like oh that's gonna make you crazier and then like the people in there were all women who like had really bad problems and
0: sure yeah and then she goes oh maybe i don't I'm yeah. not as bad as i thought i was
1: and then while she was in there she got some like fellowship offer or something and her psychiatrist like almost didn't let her out they were like i don't know if you're gonna be well enough to go and i'm like oh that would like break me yeah you don't even have the agency yeah. to get out of here when you have a good opportunity like that and i think i think she was on the path to recovery there, too. yeah, And obviously, she wants to get out, and she was still married at that time, and her son was pretty young, and she yeah. wanted to go out and see them. But, yeah. So, she went through a lot of shit in her life. Sure. Um, And, I mean, all of that is excellent fodder for when she would go on to write her three memoirs. <laughs> so, briefly, the only one I read was her last one. Okay. Um, before that, her first one, which... Really is what launched her into prominence. It was called The Liars Club. It came out in 1995, and it delves into her troubled childhood, um, in primarily the 60s, uh, plus some of her volatile relationship with her mom, who had a psychotic breakdown when she was a child.
0: Sure, yeah, Um, yeah, slightly interesting,
1: slightly interesting woman to read about. Yeah, yeah, just you know (laughs) a little malcolm in the middle type drama whatever
0: i haven't thought about malcolm in the middle in a long time she had a meltdown every episode every
1: episode but usually not with a butcher knife
0: yeah not (laughs) usually i could see a couple episodes (laughs) she'd have. um
1: her second memoir was called cherry it was published in 2001 and it focuses on her late adolescence Mm -hmm. so more high school-y type years and then lit the one that i read was published in 2009 and it It explores everything from her post high school years, her descent into alcoholism, her broken marriage, and her unlikely conversion to Catholicism. Um, One of the things that was interesting was it explored that a lot in the book, and she kind of waffled back and forth. Like at first, she was saying she was going to church and using her kid as an excuse. She's like, Oh, I'm just doing this for my son or whatever. Sure. And she alluded to like taking a book with her to church and then she said <laughs> so it, she just su- read it yeah she at some point she was like and then i stopped bringing the book yeah and so i i don't know like how devout she is still because she said in interviews how she's a christian because she needs it yeah like she she feels like it helps her stay sober um she just she needs that help
0: yeah
1: which i'm I'm not an expert on Christianity you, or are whatever. Are you putting this on me? Yeah, now, I'm putting. Like, are we
0: going to start tie tie the Bible tie, guy tie segment? Tie the Bible
1: guy. I. Oh. My interpretation of it was that she kind of found religion because she needed it to keep her from drinking and to keep her from like descending into kind of the same issues that plagued her mom. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. But I, I think that's exactly the point. I mean, if True. if we're if we're going to get into the philosophical ramifications of religion, <laughs> then that's the exact point of it is religion is supposed to help you be a better person ultimately. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly the point. And um, there's a lot of arguments about the different denominations of Christianity. And when I grew up, it was thrown in my face all the time. You know, that's a big point where they'd be like, well, <clears throat> people who are protesting it or saying, you know, you're wrong for believing in it would often point out like, well, you guys can't even decide on what's right. (laughs) Look at all the denominations. There's hundreds, thousands of different sects of, of Christianity. And you guys can't even decide what's right. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, I think that we can as Christians, we decide what ultimately is the truth. Jesus was God or is God died, came back to life, you know, did the whole saving our souls thing. That's fundamental. That is what we all believe, right? And then you get into the, all the other stuff, right? Um, and that was really hard for me, though. I, I had a really hard time with that and, and coming to terms with the fact that there is this division. Um, but there is scripture even that says, oh, fun, this is a sermon. Um a scripture that talks about, like, look, there's different body parts. And you, the left hand can't tell the right hand that it's doing the wrong thing. Also, I used my right yeah, hand when right? I said left that hand. That was a little backwards. It backwards. It's fine. So, you know, the ear can't tell the eye. You can't see, so you're useless. And I think that's exactly indicative of the church and the, the denominations. And this is all leading back to this, I, I promise. <laughs> um, the point being that different denominations do different things really, really well. And different people, there are, there are what, 7 billion people on earth now and everybody's different your chemicals your brain makeup it's all different so of course there's going to be different denominations that speak to you differently some people Mm -hmm. like myself would look at catholicism and be like i don't want to be told what to do (laughs) i hate authority and catholicism is all about the authority of Mm -hmm. god you know and same with like baptists i'm not calling anyone out specifically so please don't I'm. these are general terms for you know baptists and southern baptists and people who are like you know god hates fags and like i can't get on board with that um but there are some people that that works for because they're very tribalistic in their brain chemical makeup and you can't you can't say that they're wrong for having a brain that works differently than yours right so the point that i'm trying to get to is Jesus can appeal to everybody through a lot of fragmented lenses that collectively creates one image, right? And hers is something she needs the authority through the cath- cath- Catholic Church. That was weird. The <laughs> Catholic Church to help her sustain that abstinence, to sustain her alcoholism. And, and that's what she needs that religion to do. Which is exactly the point. Yeah. So.
1: And I think that's how all of the people. (sighs) I need some whiskey. Hold on. (laughs) Right. I think your attitude is similar to pretty much everyone in the religious community that she ran into as well. Like she would talk about how she had these discussions with either religious leaders or other people in the church about like the aspects she questioned and stuff. And, you know, they didn't turn their back on her. They were like, oh, yeah, I have questions about this too. Or or like, I think this other thing. And even my husband is like, no, that's not how christianity works or whatever so i think um i think even she was surprised by how open open everyone was to her because
0: you're either going to get someone who is open and honest and down to earth or you're going to get someone who's super crazy (laughs) and then it's like it's super easy to just move along and eventually you'll find people that are honest and true with their feelings and their doubts and that's Literally the whole point. And, like, we struggle as people, so why hide it? We all do it. We all struggle. Let's just struggle together.
1: I love that. Ty-Ty the Bible guy. Well, and that's the whole point of
0: her (laughs) memoirs, right, is for her to divulge what she's going through. So she's like, look, you're not the only one that's gone through this. Or, look, your shit, I'm on the same level as that shit.
1: Right. And that's another interesting thing that – because she was talking about in one interview how – when she was writing Lit, it was her third one, and she felt like she had, and these were her words, like, um, oh, God, what's it called? A, a target on her uh, on her head, basically. Yeah. Because she was writing a third memoir. Sure. Um, But she said that part <laughs> You know
0: of, what? I'm going to do it again. Yeah. She's like,
1: I got more stories <laughs> to tell. Uh, but then she was talking about how, like, when she goes out on book tours or whatever, it's yeah. all worth it because she has all these people coming up to her and not, like, telling her how much they love her story, but telling her their stories. Right. like. Oh, right. my mother did this too. And, you know, it opening up moment. to her. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's one part that she really liked about it. And I think um, also specifically with Lit, that was a story she had to write to kind of, you know, close the book on her relationship with her mother. Right. It had a lot of ups and downs. And, sure. Yeah. I mean, sh- she talks in there about how her her mom got sober around the time that she was falling into alcoholism. Uh. So they had like these diverging timelines basically
0: this teeter-totter yeah yeah
1: um and like when mary carr would be sober her mom like relapsed at her uh at her wedding rehearsal dinner really yeah so like she's here in front of her soon-to-be husband's rich family proper family and her mom is just tanked oh
0: no yeah and
1: all of the stress that goes along with that um but finally kind of finding peace with their relationship toward the end of her mom's life so Yes, three memoirs seems like a lot to me. But also, memoirs aren't for the readers, necessarily. Like, memoirs are for the person writing them.
0: I agree. Yeah. I, I agree with half of that. Well, yeah. I mean... I believe they're for the, the writer, obviously. But I think, like I just said, there's there's something to... Like, there's something to a testimony of someone's life and being able to identify with it. Right. You, you know, like, you, you ask somebody, like... Who's your favorite character? Who's your favorite author? Which, by the way, that reminds me. When we get back from our commercial break, I'm asking a question and we're going to play a game real quick. Oh, God. But yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you think about them and it's always like, well, they're just, I just identify with them so much. Or, you know, like, they're so much like me. Or I see myself in them so much. And and we need that that justification for being alive. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what memoirs can do.
1: yeah. I think memoirs, for me, they really combine the best parts of, like, nonfiction and fiction-style writing. It's like – it's because for me, it can be really boring to kind of read just a rambling list of facts mm-hmm. about someone. But memoir really takes it and it tells a first-person story where you feel like you're in that person's shoes and, like, you're actually living their life. So um, I really like memoirs. Yeah. Is it time for the commercial break? Uh,
0: I was looking at our outline at here. At our outline? Um, okay. Let's do it.
1: Are you and the kids stuck at home? Want to show some love to a house-found friend or family member? The Book Nook has got you covered. Regular listeners know how much we love Megan and Paul at The Book Nook. They've gotten really creative during the quarantine and started putting together Boredom Buster bundles. Try saying that five times fast. Here's how it works. You go to their website, booknookcamby.com. You choose your bundle. They've got picture books, chapter books, young adult, and beyond. Then you tell Megan a little bit about the person you're buying it for, or yourself. And she will handpick two to four books for you and throw in some extra goodies on top of it. It's all super cheap too. Then she'll ship it to you. It's amazing. She did such a great job picking out books for me. And it's just such a great way to brighten someone's day or your own day. Treat yourself. Again, order online at BookNookCanby.com. Now back to the show.
0: All right, so we're back from our commercial break. I have a very important question to ask Hannah. This is going to derail our entire episode. Oh, God. I didn't prepare anything for this episode except this question.
1: Well, I'm glad you worked really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to. Oh, you're back.
0: <laughs> All right. Two pills are in front of you. If you take the blue one, you will be transported to your favorite fictional world. If you take the red one. Your favorite character from your favorite book will be transported to this world. Which one do you choose and who or where is it? Oh. I have been plagued by this question for the last 3 days. Oh my god. I um, cannot decide which one I want.
1: No, I choose blue pill.
0: The the first one? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would go to The Wizarding World from Harry Potter. From Harry Potter? Post-Giant Civil War. Like, (laughs) definitely after that. Um, Okay. Yeah. Just because all of my favorite book characters, are they're not like the-
0: They're not good They're not
1: fun to be around. Like, (laughs) I don't think it would be a good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can't decide. You can't decide? I cannot decide. Because- What
1: are you choosing between?
0: Well, okay. I think I'd- Obviously, I'd go for the go somewhere else. Because- I would like to meet people, though. But I can just meet them you if could, I yeah. go. But that's not necessarily true. It doesn't say you'll go to meet this person in the world. It just says you're in the world, right?
1: Yeah, but you could find your way to them. I was
0: talking to my boss about it. He's like, Star Trek World. Go to Star Trek World. Because they have hollow <laughs> rooms or whatever, hologram rooms. You'll get everything you want. Anything you want is taken care of. And if you don't want to go to space, don't go to space. You're totally fine, right? And I was I'm like, glad
1: that he thought of that because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't want to be in space. Yeah.
0: Um, but I was like, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, if I'm honest, like the D&D worlds, like Faerun would be really fun. And he's like, yeah, but if you go there, you're not necessarily going to be someone who could be in a and d party. Mm. You're just going to be a normal you. You're gonna be you in a medieval type world where there's no toilets
1: oh so i'd be a muggle in the wizarding oh. exactly oh.
0: so he ruined it for mm. me <laughs> you would still be you
1: uh, i don't want to be me right? i want to be a better me <laughs> i want to be a wizard
0: <laughs> so that's that's the question that i bring to the oh table. well
1: now it's gonna plague me because i don't like my answer anymore but i don't know what a better answer would be
0: tell us what you want
1: Hey, listeners, tell
0: us what you would choose. Where would you go? Who would you bring to this world? So then, so that's the thing. So now, then I start thinking, okay, maybe it'd be better to just bring someone to this world. My first thing that I think is Jesus, (laughs) but then that's so insulting because that's a, it's supposed to be a fictional person (laughs) from a fantasy book or something. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of insulting to the Bible. Um, so not Jesus, I guess. I
1: don't know. Uh, my English teacher let people write report, like book reports on the Bible, so
0: there you go. Eh, it's a book. Um. So then I started thinking, who would I want to bring Aslan? It's fake Jesus.
1: Fake Jesus, but he would he still be like Aslan? Would he be a talking lion?
0: Yes, it's the it's the character being brought well. to life. He's not tame, but he's good.
1: But um.
0: And then I'd be best friends with Aslan. And then I would just have him make Narnia for me again. And then I can go to Narnia whenever I want.
1: Okay, Tyler had a three-day head start on figuring (laughs) this plan out, guys. Loophole!
0: All right, so that's my answer.
1: I'm I'm glad. You did think it through really well.
0: Let's get back to memoirs. Okay. (laughs) It has literally nothing to do with memoirs.
1: Guys... I need to go on vacation again. <laughs> okay, so the uh, the fourth book that Mary Carr wrote is aptly titled "The Art of Memoir." So, um, the this I mean it, it is what it sounds like. It's a book about how to write memoirs and sort of like an analysis about <laughs> other memoirs. Um, yeah, she talks. She gets a into lot it a lot about. Nabokov Nabokovu or something whoever wrote Lolita she she really liked his memoir I have not read it is that what he wrote I think that's who that is Vladimir Nabokov I'm sorry if I'm butchering that I'm sorry if Lolita is your favorite
0: book do we need to do an episode on him I mean probably it's kind of a big deal at some point anyway
1: so she talks a lot about other people's memoirs and like excerpts from them and stuff like that to kind of see what they do well Nabokov you're probably uh, it's Nabokov do you speak Russian?
0: Nabokov. Okay, that was just my say, Russian accent.
1: yeah, that sounded correct. Yeah,
0: I like reading Nabokov. Huh? That was pretty good.
1: It doesn't sound pretentious, though, if you use a Russian accent.
0: Right. I like reading Nabokov and drinking vodka. <laughs> All of our Russian listeners just turned off.
1: We have no <laughs> Russian listeners. We had some in the
0: Ukraine. They're not Russian. I know. Whoa. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but same accent for me <laughs> oh because i'm terrible at accents
1: i'm sorry ukrainian listeners if you exist
0: the one listener we had was telling me to read russian literature so i'm just saying liter- <laughs> literary wise i'm not they're off the base. same <laughs> i'm trying to backtrack so hard right it's now. fine
1: <laughs> tyler's tyler's slipping through the pages through so the book. <laughs> art of memoir is i mean i would really only recommend it to you if you actually are interested in writing a memoir Agree, And obviously that's probably why she wrote it Because it includes tips on how to be a good memoirist And so I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the ones that stood out to me um, So she goes over a lot of like the reasons you shouldn't write a memoir Yeah up front. she does she, she goes Yeah she really wants to uh, talk you out of it One of the quotes that I liked was Unless you're a doubter and a worrier And nail biter and apologizer A rethinker, Then memoir may not be your playpen that's the quality I've found most consistently in those life story writers I've met. Truth is not their enemy. It's the banister they grab for when feeling around on the dark cellar stairs. It's the solution. So.
0: Woo! That was thick.
1: You got to be an overthinker to write a memoir. <clears throat> you have to be willing to go back to, at times, your worst memories ever and think through them a million different times to make sure you've got like the truest version of them and that you've seen that incident from everyone's <clears throat> perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's her list of reasons why you should not do this. Uh, so if you are uh, psychologically hectored by the uh, nattering voice of some scold about how wrong this is, maybe wait till you find some balance. Uh, if you have a bad memory, give it up. Many people ask me how to recall the past, and I say if they don't, they're lucky. Get a real job. The events you're writing about, if the events you're writing about are less than seven or eight years past, you might find it harder than you think. Also, if you're young, you might want to wait. Most of us are still soft as clay before 35. That's not fair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just wait a few more years, Tyler.
0: Uh, If you're doing it for therapy, go hire someone to talk to.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) If you want revenge, hire a lawyer. Don't write about people you hate. (laughs) If your writing affects a group of people, a class, or race, be sure you're ready for any fallout. If you're a right fighter, somebody who never apologizes or changes her mind, you don't have the fluid nature to twig or the deep river of truth when the spirit draws your forked stick. I didn't quite understand that. Yeah. Uh, And 10, the last one related to the above. If you can't rewrite, give it up. Yeah. There you go. Because
1: she was saying how on her, she like rewrote the same things over and over trying to get it right.
0: Yeah. That was, that was 28 pages in. That's like, and that's, (laughs) she's going right into it. You'd think that that'd be towards the end. Like, Hey, I built up your confidence. Now, don't do it.
1: No, I like that she puts it up front. She's like, these are the reasons you might want (laughs) to not do it. And I mean, two of the ones she said that I feel like kind of go hand in hand are the revenge one and also don't write about people you hate. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people, they're probably like, oh, these these people like my mom, my dad, whoever has really screwed me over. I'm going to totally out them in a memoir and everyone's going to read it and see what an asshole they are. She's like, don't do that. you got to show compassion for all of your characters. And I think every memoir that I've read and enjoyed, that has been something that really struck me about the author. I'm like, wow, they're writing about these people who did really horrible things to them, but they're actually being very nice to them in the way they're telling the story. And I, I think that's really important. Because no one really wants to read a slash and burn like oh my god I'm going to expose this person <laughs> and just be totally thing. cruel yeah. to them like yeah. I think it's way it's it, it says a lot about an author who's able to talk about a painful memory yeah. and show compassion toward the person who hurt them
0: and and we're going to talk about this a little bit later but some of the fakes uh, that she's had to deal with there's one in particular that she's super aggressive <laughs> towards uh, for very good reasons um, and people are like he's believable because he doesn't do any hero worship for himself and she's like that's wrong Mm -hmm. he does because he plays the victim he makes them terrible terrible people against him and then he victimizes himself thus making him the hero because he's a survivor
1: do you just want to talk about that one now (laughs)
0: Sure, yeah, we could talk I, I just saw it lower on your outline. Oh, so I didn't want to I was jump just kind of going
1: head. in the order that I like made notes in Got the it. ebook. Gotcha. I was like, okay. Oh, okay, there's my asterisk or whatever.
0: Yeah, he uh yeah, go ahead and and talk about it. So that. I
1: think you're talking about the, the fake Holocaust survivor, right? Yeah, that yeah. douchebag. That guy. So what's interesting is uh Mary Carr, she's a professor of literature at Syracuse. So she talks about a couple different exercises that she has done with her students and one of them involves like showing them to basically two memoirs one from a real holocaust survivor and one from a guy who is later found out to have made the whole thing up yep and almost all of her students fall for the one who made it up in this exercise year yeah. after year after year
0: The f- like one year she showed it to 17 students mm-hmm. and only three of them said that the real one was the real one uh the next year is 21 students and again only three of them could see that the real one was the real one
1: which is horrifying but also like i don't know that i wouldn't fall for it either like
0: yeah and i mean in that the the whole point of what she's bringing up is voice yeah that in those chapters she's talking about the carnality of of your voice and and being um present in your writing so that people can taste and touch and smell and and see and hear your writing and and the scenes and that's what this guy unfortunately did really really well yeah um on top of all the other stuff like like I said you know people were justifying it saying well he doesn't he doesn't hero worship himself but again she just disregarded that
1: right so sorry I was looking up the the name of the the fake so it yeah, was, I was kind of
0: looking them up, too, in my book. Because I
1: actually hadn't heard of him before. Um, it's Benjamin Wilkomirski. Um, and he wrote a childhood recollection of Auschwitz called Fragments. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it. Ha- she even herself put her name on the book when it came out in 1996 recommending it. But it turned out his name wasn't even Wilkomirski. His right. name was Bruno Dossiker or something. He spent the war living in Switzerland. He wasn't even Jewish. <laughs> yeah. He started out by faxing his therapist, quote unquote, memories <laughs> as they came to him. Um, but the therapist knew that they couldn't possibly be real and that his client couldn't tell the difference between reality and and fantasy. Um, and so Mary Carr in, in The Art of Memoir says, now the book's falsehoods seem glaring. Yeah. Um, he he she says quote he would have had to be superman or made of rubber to endure what he alleges
0: yeah things like holding on to somebody's bicep with his with just his teeth yeah and being held up yeah yeah
1: i mean she's so she's like some part of me stifled basically the fact that i knew this couldn't be real right because it just seemed like such a good story
0: but then there's the other the other thing that she says the problem is what if it is true and, and I one. don't believe it and I'm the only person who's like no that can't be true but it is yeah like you feel shitty you feel like an even worse type of person you're like being I can question denier. a
1: holocaust survivor yeah, What? exactly and I mean everybody was praising this guy's book when it came out he yeah. won all sorts of prizes he beat Ellie Wiesel who's like the famous author of night which was a, a holocaust uh Memoir that we had to read in like grade School or whatever sure so he's Like a big deal by Tyler we, has not read it means
0: her. Me I totally Read it
1: yeah no Elie Wiesel is or he, he's Probably dead now but he was a big deal He wrote a great book you should totally Read night and this asshole Beat him with his made up book Yeah Um, And it was even praised by an investigative Journalist who covered the Nuremberg trials so he fooled everyone. Today, he's still like, he basically says it's still true. He's a well, crazy he person. Well, he says
0: that there are certain things that are made up, but that's just how memoirs work. And that's what she gets into in this book.
1: I think that might be a different person. Oh, really? This one, it says he cleaves unswerving to his story oh okay unbudged by evidence there was a different guy who said that.
0: sure i didn't sound like an idiot
1: sorry there was (laughs) a different guy who did say that yeah (laughs) they all kind of blend together but yeah so this (laughs) is this is the example that she uses with her students some of who whom have gone to ivy league colleges yeah and they and you kind of touched on this a little bit the reasons that they give are he's not trying to make himself seem like a hero in his book why would he lie about this yeah the writing has an immediacy it's first person present tense makes it seem as if he's reliving it more yep. than uh, she compares it to another guy whose book I haven't read. But more than his more formally written piece with its emotional circumspection and just all sorts of reasons they give for why they fall for. Yeah, this the fake- guy,
0: the other guy wrote better. So so people don't think that it's as real. Wow. But again, that's just how in this, she's talking about voice. She's Mm -hmm. talking about writing a specific way so that when your readers read it, they are attentive and they're a part of the, the, the story itself because they're seeing it through your eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that's a long tangent for (laughs) make sure people
1: (laughs) No, that like blew my mind. I was like, Oh my God. But yeah, I mean, like you said, voice is King in memoir writing. Um, you've got to develop a voice that's authentic for yourself. It mm. has to be consistent. She was saying like in her memoirs, she had to decide like if she was gonna call her mom mom, mother, mama, whatever. Even though that changed over the course of her life as she, you know, got older, got yeah. more distant with her, she was like, Nope, I just had to go with mother because if you change it, you know, every other chapter, the reader's gonna get confused. They're and not gonna connect why. with you. Yeah. yeah. And unless you wanna explain every single time, like, oh, I was five and so <laughs> I called her mama. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> just
0: well, and even so, th- I know this isn't a memoir, but I re- when I was reading the Jane Austen book about Jane Austen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the the author spent the first part of the book, probably the first half of the first chapter, going, this is why I'm going to call her Jane Austen throughout the entire book. Please don't give me shit. Like, obviously, I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, but she went through everything that she could call her Jane Austin, Jane Austin, you know, uh, all the nicknames that people had for her and Mrs. Austin or Miss Austin. And and she's like, none of those work because they they represent different aspects of her. And we're trying to get to who she is as a person overall. So Jane Austin is what we will call her throughout the rest of the book. Yeah. And like just in that, I was hooked because I was like, okay, this person is taking – the time to really reflect on this small detail but in doing so she explained her entire life like from birth to death just talking about why we're going to call her jane austen i was like oh damn this is
1: good (laughs) this person knows what they're talking about yeah no and that's that's not even tangential because that's kind of all of these tips that mary carr has for writing memoirs can be applied to any kind of writing whether yeah. it's like poetry prose whatever it's yeah. like voice is king no matter what you're writing and you should have a consistent voice <laughs> for everything agreed also uh on the topic of voice she also talked about how you don't need to be fancy in your diction um don't, are we be- gonna
0: talk some more about Novikov?
1: I was never going to talk about Nobakov.
0: Oh, because you're leaning right into Nobakov.
1: Oh, well, you can come up with, or you can chime in with that. I was just uh, going to compare how she kind of treats voice as in, like, using small words if that's what you talk like at home. Like, use simple words. You don't have to, you know, pull out the the thesaurus every time you write a sentence and try to come up with the fanciest sounding language. And that kind of reminded <laughs> me of... Stephen King's writing advice in *On Writing*, he uh, had a, probably like a whole chapter on like how people don't talk like they're reading from a thesaurus. Like, right. just use the little words like the apostrophe em or like when you're right. saying like, "Oh, go get, em. Like, get him!" Like, yeah, Yeah. No, talk like and, a normal and, person.
0: And this is this actually comes out of the Nabokov a uh, couple chapters and. Um, a small uh, segue not segue tangent um, when I was younger probably 22 23 somewhere around there um, I started to realize that I liked words like it was a weird <laughs> thing I got so bored at work one time that I started playing um, with Facebook posts where I would write really really long-winded things and I'd use the thesaurus to change out words And so, uh, number one, don't be afraid to to try stuff. I I think that's really important to say. Like, I obviously don't write the way I did back then because that was an experiment. That was me trying that hat on. And I liked it, but it's not who I was. Right. So but that informed me that I like words. And so now when I talk to people, I try to use specific words and I try to find a word that expresses what I'm feeling in a very interesting way um and using big words not so I can be like oh look at me I use big words but because it's like that's part of who I am I want to understand a word and part of that is playing with it with like the mouth feel like like <laughs> you say a word and you're just like "Ooh, I don't like <laughs> that word at all you know but like catharsis I love saying cathartic you know like I think it feels so good um <laughs> And so, like, that's just, that's a part of that. Um, Yeah, and to
1: be clear, there's nothing wrong with breaking out the thesaurus. Like, I do it all the time. But just making sure that the words that you're choosing are the appropriate words and that they make sense for the person you're writing about and whose perspective you're writing from. Right. And you're not using, like, words that would never be in their lexicon.
0: And the point is, find your own voice. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to read a short short passage here. Students love trying to imitate Nobukov. By the way, she goes off on this dude. Like, she loves it. She's literally in love with this She's a fangirl. <laughs> Hardcore. Um, students love trying, on, trying to imitate Nobukov, which teaches them a lot, mostly about why not to imitate somebody wired so differently from yourself. Nobukov wannabes, God, that's an insult. Nobukov <laughs> wannabes don't sound just like turds, but like pretentious turds. The writer's best voice will grow from embracing her own you which I can call talent, and which is best expressed in voice. Which brings me back to the simplest of voice-building blocks, dicta- uh, dictation. Nobikov uses a dictation more ornate than would fit most of us, for the vast majority of writers were better off with simpler vocabulary. The shorter, more often... Monos, uh syllabic yes thank you thank you
1: I got you <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: words that you use all the dang time unless you're like my friend poet he- Brooks Haxton alright who translates Greek Latin French Hebrew and Germ- German throwing in three dollar words will just make you sound like you're a dick
1: True. Yes, true. Absolutely. And she uses her own voice in that to say that. She says turd. She says dick. <laughs> it's like obviously she's from like Southeast Texas. Right. Growing up poor with her alcoholic parents. Like, yeah. yes, she does not shy away from her her roots when she uses her her on her simple monosyllabic words. <laughs>
0: See, I was going to end up going with monosyllabic, and I was saying it I'm, in my head several times. Right. I was like, that's not right. Uh, Syllabic? See, that's one of those words syllable, that doesn't have so good feel.
1: <laughs> no. Mouthfeel. Yikes. <laughs> 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 but no, I think that, and I think it's interesting that she mentioned, like, her poet friend who, like, translates a bunch of languages. Like, yes, yeah. there are people out there who can get away with using super pretentious words. I'm not one of them. And also, when you fuck up, you look like an idiot. Because I've seen people who have genuinely written something and probably gone to thesaurus and replaced the words with words that don't make sense or things that are grammatically incorrect. I see people a lot who use whom incorrectly because they think whom is the proper way to do it. But no, there are grammatical reasons why you use whom versus who.
0: Uh, yeah and the grammatical reason is never fucking use whom maybe
1: never use ever
0: don't ever use it that's my rule when I write a book on writing chapter one don't use whom
1: I do use it sometimes but then there are other times when I'm like I know it's correct but it sounds weird to say whom so I just like say screw it chapter one
0: whom uses whom
1: that was incorrect
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah yeah uh yeah. <laughs> i i have someone we were having a conversation and um uh what's the word for someone who treats people like uh treats women a guy who treats oh, women misogynist right and um and he was saying well they're less of a misogynist and more of um chauvinist he uses the <laughs> word chauvinist right he's like they're less of a misogynist and more of a chauvinist and, and his, and his way that he was explaining it to me, I'm like, I don't think that that's what that word means. He's thinking. Was he
1: trying to use it as like a slightly <clears throat> less bad version of misogyny?
0: A, a different version of it. Yes. He was saying, okay, it's, you know, misogynists are people who, um, hate women. Chauvinists are people who like women as objects.
1: No, that's wrong. Right. <laughs> and so I
0: looked it up and I'm like, Hey man, I just want to let you know that that you're using that word wrong. <laughs> Chauvinists are people who are very patriotic or very loyal to a very specific uh, regime.
1: I think people do misuse that word a lot, though. Yeah. Because I actually looking it up, I I was surprised that that was the definition.
0: Did you like how I knew it?
1: Yeah. I didn't Good know job. the fucking
0: word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fine. You knew you knew what it meant, though, which but, is uh, more yeah. important.
0: <laughs> but that's you know that's the thing is like knowing words and to your point you're saying like you're gonna use a word wrong yeah if you don't know it you're gonna use it wrong and you're gonna look like an idiot so if this guy wrote a whole thesis on how you can either be a misogynist or a chauvinist people are gonna be like what the hell are you talking about that's not what that word means dude
1: <laughs> you keep using that word i don't think it means it means? <laughs> yeah don't be that guy <laughs> uh...
0: speaking of that What a great segue. She wrote on page 58. Early on, he starts training you to read into things like a necromancer deciphering the stars. And I highlighted that. (laughs) I freaking highlighted that.
1: Wow. He did.
0: You know why? Because she used the word wrong. Necromancers are people who bring people back from the dead.
1: They do, but did she use it?
0: Astrologers.
1: Read the sentence again, though.
0: Early on, he starts training you to read into things like a necromancer deciphering the stars.
1: But does she astrologers mean
0: astrologers are people who uh, decipher the stars?
1: I don't know what section that's from though, but is she using it to make a point that he's teaching you to read into things <clears throat> poorly? Maybe. I didn't <laughs> I don't I, I don't remember.
0: So the objects he dwelled on aren't just pretty uh he's ta- she's talking about Nobukov again. Um. That uh, things are, he dwells on are not just pretty jujus, ju- jujaws from the antique parlors. He's infused them with emotional consequence and symbolic weight and philosophical resonance. Early on, he starts training you to read into things like a necromancer deciphering the stars. No, she's not saying it like that. She thinks that necromancers decipher the stars. Those are astrologers. Look at a d and <laughs> gaming book.
1: I like that that's probably the reason you know what a necromancer does.
0: It's exactly why I know. I've played one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who says d d is a waste of time? No one. No, no one. one says that. No one has ever and said that. And if they say it, I don't world. want
0: to read their memoir.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to find a memoir like that just to read <laughs> it and then shit all over. <laughs>
0: uh there's actually been one. I have read it. Um, it was uh, about a lady. It was it was kind of split in half. One one half of it was written by a lady who is a nurse, and she met a girl who was a bride of Satan, and she met her in in a hospital when she had been like raped and beat and all kinds of stuff, and a coven of witches came to the hospital to curse her and kill her, uh, so she stood on the other side of the bed while they were planting curses and she was praying for the girl ended up saving her from the cult that she was in Uh, and then you know they had to deal with the cults coming after them and the other half of the book is the girl telling her story of becoming a bride of Satan at the age of 13 and being sold into this cult and being raped and molested and in this book having sex with Satan himself several times and giving birth to his children and it gets pretty crazy. And towards the end, they just do this whole list of things that are evil. And one of the big ones is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh,
1: <laughs> okay, That's a wild sounding memoir, though. Like all, all of the memoirs I read, I, I thought, you know, their family life was pretty dramatic. Yeah. That tops it all.
0: It's an interesting read. Uh, it's It's super hard for me to recommend it unless you're willing to take the dive of, look, You're probably not going to agree with anything that comes out of this book, but it's an interesting story. Basically, it's the equivalent of watching Ancient Aliens. I've
1: never watched that.
0: You've never watched Ancient Aliens on History Channel? No. Lucky you.
1: Oh, that's a ringing endorsement. I think
0: that we have the greatest combination of possible fan bases. I've got the pop culture nerds and you've got the actual nerds that read everything and don't actually get into pop culture at all.
1: I mean, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> great.
0: All right, what else we got?
1: Was there any I I don't want to give too much of her, like, memoir yeah. tips away. I'll be
0: honest. I didn't read any more than what we've talked about.
1: Toward the end, she gives more uh, – like, at the very, very end, she gives more straightforward, like, here are some tips for, for doing it. She gave some tips for um getting past roadblocks or, like, writer writer's block. Yeah. Which I thought were pretty useful, including, like, keeping a notebook where you copy poetry or bits of prose that you really like into. And that's something that I kind of do. I – I don't keep it in one organized place like she recommends. I right. kind of just write it all over the place. And I think that's really useful at copying down like beautiful writing that you admire from other people. Yeah. So you can kind of find inspiration from that.
0: It's the equivalent of practicing your drawing yeah. by drawing something that you really like the look of.
1: Right. Um she also talks about how like uh if you're if you're stuck reviewing other people's work can be a good practice because it forces you to find evidence for your opinion. Interesting
0: interesting how that works right if only you had some sort of book to review there hannah
1: oh. <laughs> shot myself in the foot in that one yep, <laughs> did. um also like she said memorize poems when you're stuck which i'm not a poetry person but she makes a good argument for it she said poets teach you more about writing economically yeah. so like using the fewest words possible Really getting to the point and not wasting a reader's time. Yeah, so I sort of get that. Maybe that would be a good exercise for me to pick up. <laughs> you
0: know who you could uh, pick up is one of the authors we're going to read this summer. Oh, the author of Moby Dick.
1: Well, um, Moby Dick isn't a poem, and I don't.
0: Wanna... It's it's not. But the other book that he wrote at the end of his life is one of is probably the longest English written um, epic poems of all time.
1: Okay, well that probably would not be one that she would recommend for he this exercise. He did only
0: write that poem. He wrote other poems though. So, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there.
1: Just throwing it out
0: What's it, his name again?
1: Herman Melville.
0: Oh, she did it. She never even read I Moby never Dick. Even read and she it. knew his name. It's so
1: weird. She's a nerd. I, I just have this like weird <laughs> space in my brain that's devoted to like knowing random things that I have no reason like, to know. She's like She's like
0: the LeBron James
1: <laughs> of useless <laughs> trivia.
0: Oh man. Uh the only other thing I wanted to to bring up was just kind of um if, if you if you really have no place to start with memoir and you're like I've never read memoir I'm kind of interested but I don't know where to start. I'm a collector of things. I collect uh comic books. The audience can't see me pointing <laughs> at my massive comic book I collection. can though. It's yeah. an impressive comic Thank book collection. Thank you very much. Um um, comic books, Magic the Gathering cards, D&D stuff. Like, I, I just collect stuff, right? Um, so I always like to try and find the best beginning. And um, when she starts out writing in, in this book, she actually goes into where a lot of memoir writing came from, at least in, in America, the interest in America. And the very first, like, what she attests to, really, the the number one, like, place to start would be Richard Wright and his book, Black Boy.
1: Oh, yeah, um, I remember the excerpts of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, It was Wright who started the American memoir craze of the last century with the publication of Black Boy in 1945, um, and it followed closely by uh, Seven Story Mountain, Nobaku's, no- Nobakov's Speak Memory, and Memories of a Catholic Girlhood. So... There's there's some really good ones out there, but what I really liked about Richard Wright's book is it follows his um, family through um, slavery and stuff, and I, I, I that's kind of important to me because uh, you know <laughs> it's people, kind of a big deal. People living in America still deal with that issue, so I think that that's pretty interesting.
1: Nice, yeah, I I think there are a ton of great memoirs out there if you haven't read a lot of them, and if it seems intimidating, like I would say just. Find someone you like or admire, even in pop culture. Oh yeah, and chances are they've written a memoir. Like I read Anna Kendrick's memoir yeah. a couple summers ago, and that was fun. It was it was lighthearted. It was funny. Um, so I mean, it you don't have to dive right into like stu- <laughs> slavery. Yeah, you know, it, no, I mean it. It sounds like a great memoir, and you should totally read it. But also, if it sounds intimidating, it yeah. doesn't have to be like normal people <laughs> do write memoirs. That, yeah, you don't have to have some huge tragedy in your life. Life. And We're, I think more people should write memoirs where it's. I, I feel like a lot of the memoirs right now that are highly that are like held up are people who like come from a poor background or something, yeah. overcome a whole lot and become super successful. Sure. It's like you have like educated is one that I've read recently, um, the Glass Castle. It's like always these women starting out with these crazy, dramatic families, mm. super poor, sometimes in a religious mm. cult, and. And I think that we need more of just, like, the normal stories Just people's lives. Just people's lives. Yeah. I don't think we should feel like you have to overcome some huge tragedy for your life to have meaning. Yeah. Obviously, it does still. I just think we need more variety in memoirs right now. And I I like to see – it seems like we're going in that and direction. And there's,
0: there's such a good outlet right now, too. You've got places like Wattpad, Goodread, and all of that mm-hmm. where you can put up your work and actually have it – analyzed by people right there on the spot um i've got a book on wattpad and i've got so many comments and i mean it's really nice because a lot of them are like hey this is really good i really like this and you know that's why i wrote it as a feel-good thing um but you get people who are like hey you might be interested in checking this author out to help you with your voice and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so that that's huge getting that immediate feedback is really big um not to Toot my own horn a little bit but we we've been working on a little too long now we kind of sl- dropped the ball a little bit but we've worked on helping a local author here in canby with her audiobook where she came in and and read it um and it's it's it was fantastic to listen to her story she was my freshman english teacher i had no idea of the story that she had lived right like it's crazy. And, and so like you can write a story, you can do it a lot of different ways. You can go and and upload it to Wattpad. You can go and just start, a for free, go to, what is it? Um, cafe press or Google blogger, whatever it is. And you can, you can start a free blog and just focus on writing one story, a short story, Write 1000 words every week. Like it takes no effort to do that. And if you're uploading it to a blog, you'd be surprised if you wrote every week, 1000 words in one year, you would have one novel. Like it, that, that's the, the number of words you'd have would be a novel. You take that, go to your printer and press print on all of them and you have your novel in your hand. So it, it's not hard to do that. And you can start a podcast. <laughs> you can go somewhere, you can get a microphone and take what you've written and read it out loud. You know, if, if that's the sort of thing that you want to do. There's so many ways that memoirs can become bigger than they have been and reach people um, that they've that you'd never think that they'd reach.
1: Right. That's my fun Definitely. spiel. That was a good spiel. Yeah. I try
0: to have one spiel every episode.
1: <laughs> I, I think yeah it's a good message for people you shouldn't feel like your story isn't like worthy of being told so right just uh even if you're just writing it for yourself yeah sit down again
0: and- like she said like if you're trying to get revenge
1: don't do that don't do
0: that if you're trying to find therapy i kind of disagree with her a little bit not not in the like if you're trying to get published you know and and write an actual book and really try to get like some legitimacy as as a novelist, as a memoir novelist, maybe don't do it as therapy. But I think that it could be good therapy. You working through things on on your on your own, and she actually has some ideas of how to uh, encounter that a little bit in this book.
1: Definitely, yeah. I think there's like a fine line. Obviously, writing memories can be cathartic. Yeah. Um, to use your word that nice. you like so much, <laughs> but also there is a. A, a balance there it's like if it's something that's really really painful maybe yeah. you shouldn't just write about it maybe you should go talk to someone and then write. obviously about it i'm not saying
0: do this in place of <laughs> in therapy place of,
1: no it's like doing as therapy in the sense that like you know you've already seen a therapist or something or, <laughs> maybe I don't know. the therapist
0: is helping you get <laughs> yes. to these memories and work through them yes. and then you write them out
1: i think she means don't do it in place of therapy like if you need therapy this is not your free therapy go get therapy
0: but also but
1: also you know
0: right start a blog start a blog start a podcast that's what i did (laughs) and it's my therapist
1: great i i'm not licensed tyler i say that every at the start of every session (laughs) oh man
0: yeah so we've talked for a long time about a book that i read about half of
1: it's fine you're gonna love the last half
0: (laughs) yeah um Real quick, uh, next episode, I'm actually genuinely excited about.
1: I love how excited you are. I'm excited, too, except that um, I made the mistake of ordering my biography from the evil company that shall not be named. (gasps) No. And as karma, it has been like two and a half weeks, and it still hasn't gotten to my house. Really? It has overshot my house twice. (gasps) It's like ping-ponging back and forth between Portland and Salem, and I'm like, what the hell, guys? Could,
0: Could Megan not help you out with that?
1: Um. I don't. I didn't see it on their website. Oh. And all of the copies that I saw, not from the Devil Corporation, (laughs) were like forty bucks, and the one on the Devil Corporation was six bucks. Oh,
0: so, yeah. I mean, Uh, I get it. Some of those biographies for like
1: old dudes are really expensive. Yeah,
0: because the one I'm reading, listening to, is thirty hours long. Yeah. And uh, just so you guys understand who we're talking about, (laughs) we're going to be talking about Ernest Hemingway. Um, which, um, might sound super boring to you because it did to me. No, but I'm genuinely excited about it. And mostly because y'all know how much I love talking about sexual activities in an author's life,
1: which is always surprising to me. And I'm in, I'm in like
0: three or four hours in, I was like, holy damn, I don't have enough time to talk about what's going on on our show.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're. I had some preconceived <laughs> notions about Ernest Hemingway. yeah, and I'm probably gonna have to throw those all aside when I pick up the biography.
0: Yeah. well, I think some of them will be um, definitely reinforced. validated and reinforced but uh, but there's some stuff, man. It's super interesting. He's a super interesting guy. I oh, have I not that. read anything by him.
1: I've yet. read two or three books by him, I think, both yeah. in school.
0: So here's the thing, and and this is why I I realized uh, last couple episodes, we we talked about who we're going to read about. I would challenge you to go read something by Ernest Hemingway by (laughs) the time we release our next episode. That's the point. That's why I want you guys to know who we're talking about.
1: Be like me when I had a book report and I chose uh, The Old Man and the Sea because it was short, and then I almost threw it out the window because i hated it so much
0: (laughs) just read that one (laughs) literally about a dude sitting
1: in a boat Uh, i was so upset with that book yeah i'm gonna talk about that in our next episode yes but yeah Um, go read some Ernest hemingway and then uh you'll you'll be probably more into our, our next episode
0: yes for sure um so guys uh we would love for you to check out all of all of the social medias that we have Ooh, i haven't updated it yet oh yeah um but they can find us you guys can find us uh on our website lewis and lovecraft.com or on instagram at lewis and lovecraft and then um facebook.com slash lewis and lovecraft we barely post on facebook yeah. but it exists because Weirdly, you have we don't to. get
1: that much engagement on Facebook. It's because we're not trying. I'm trying (laughs) on Instagram. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. It's funner. Yeah,
0: it's way more fun.
1: And you should follow us on YouTube now because... There
0: you go. I started
1: a YouTube channel... And you're it rocking like it. To I told oh, you this you. in private. I have to tell
0: you in, in public, though, because that's how it works.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can go really on tough. there. Um, we, we put the Witcher episode up, which we actually filmed so you can see Tyler's amazing costume. Oh. Um, I'm starting a thing where every once in a while I'll do Throwback Thursday, um, and we're recording this on a Thursday. So today I put up our first ever episode, C.S. Lewis. And yeah. in case, you know, people don't listen on the regular podcast channels, they which can is find great. it there.
0: It's, it's easy to share that. Yeah. You know an hour and a half long episode it was
1: such a long episode but it was so fun re-listening to our first ever did episode. you actually
0: re-listen to the whole thing i listened
1: to parts of it yeah. like i didn't listen to it all the way through in an hour sitting but gotcha. i listened to a lot of it and i was like oh my gosh we were <laughs> i mean it was actually a lot better than i expected honestly going you back thought that,
0: you thought that maybe we had gotten way better at doing this
1: i mean we've gotten better for sure but yeah. i was like i was almost like expecting there to be cringy moments or whatever and I'm like oh we were actually really good
0: yeah I think because I have re-listened to some stuff I think the biggest thing and it's it's I'm gonna be honest I think it's on you oh I think we've been able to chill out on fitting this whole thing into like a 45 minute episode because you were like oh I'd like 30 minutes and I'm like, look, it's not going to happen. I know how podcasts work. I
1: didn't know Tyler that well when we first started this. <laughs> okay.
0: This is not going to be a... I was a,
1: naive.
0: Your outline's great. There's going to be more. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that that's great. I'm excited for that to to go up and have more stuff. I might throw some fun stuff up, um, you know, just to give some variety to our, our channel. Do um, it. But I, I've stopped me and me and video work have taken that. we're on a break're on
1: a break you We're <laughs> on a break
0: <laughs> um, so yeah so yeah so uh, Instagram, Facebook you can go to our website you can go to our YouTube now you can also just email us if you want to email us anything stories that you want us to read on our show please guys
1: I want to read a story. I like getting emails from people too. It's yeah. nice to hear from people.
0: Uh, Lewis and Lovecraft at gmail.com.
1: Awesome. And as usual, we want to thank Jake Basson for our awesome intro outro music. You yeah. can find him at SoundCloud.com slash Jake Bassin for all sorts of great tunes.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, you guys, on iTunes and uh, the Stitcher and all the other places that you can subscribe. It, it really helps us understand who's listening.
1: And rate and review us, especially on iTunes. Some <sighs> asshole gave us like one star. <laughs> you guys have got to give us better I, reviews. I
0: was avoiding
1: bringing <laughs> it up so much. No, I'm actually not but heard about it, I thought it was kind of funny. But
0: Yeah, I learned a new word? Uh so that oh, was woke? a good one? No, I already knew about woke they thought that we were woke, which is interesting. That's the no, first and the last one time. they described like how we talk about Mr. James. But, oh. You can go to our iTunes and check it out and find yeah, out what it Yeah, read the bad there.
1: review and then write a nice one. <laughs>
0: Seriously, if you guys want to help us out right now, legitimately, just go leave a good review because it's the top of our... It's the number one review that people read. Please push it down the line. Oh, man. It'd be great. Nice. Um, oh. And, yeah, Apple Podcast listeners, I, I, this stat's a little outdated, I think, but um, they are 52% of our listeners, so we know you're out there. We should have way more reviews than we do, so... Just want to point that out.
1: And the most important thing, as usual, tell a friend about our show.
0: Yeah, tell people about it.
1: Tell your book club that you're not seeing in person right now.
0: Are there book clubs that listen to our show?
1: I'm, probably, if you
0: are in a book club and you use our show, oh, you shouldn't That'd tell be so your friends. Cool. Don't tell your friends about our show
1: <laughs> Just because keep you're using
0: us as a way to not read the book. Send us have... an
1: email though, and tell us who you're doing for your next book club though, and maybe we'll give you and some tips. Lo- oh, Hannah's on top of it. Oh, this is yeah. like gonna be our new thing. <laughs> if you, in in
0: lieu, I like that one too. In <laughs> lieu of telling a friend, email us with what sort of situation you use us for, <laughs> like. Like is it a book club? Is it for school reports? Which I would love to find out. Someone listens to our show to write school reports.
1: Or is it just to like whip out random facts about authors when you're talking so you sound super smart and educated?
0: Yeah. You You'll should, be
1: yeah. at like some cocktail party and you're like, did you know CS Lewis like spanking? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. You know uh, Mary Carr, the famous novelist. She, uh, her,
1: Memoirist. her
0: uh, a good memoir. She wrote three books. Um her mom used to shoot at all of her husbands. So just gonna go get another cocktail. <laughs> Alright guys, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And remember, cool gang.
1: <laughs> what
0: what do they need to remember, Hannah? Oh shit. You gotta come up with something
1: Oh you. I don't I was not prepared for this. <laughs> for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> what? That's one of Hemingway's novels.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, God, yeah, God. yeah I got come you. on I got you For whom the bell <laughs> yeah, calls Yeah, we're going to get into Metallica song,
1: yeah
0: <laughs> 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 Alright, see you guys Bye